We're so glad that you joined us today for this podcast from Bishop Quentin Moore and the Father's House in Hutchinson, Kansas. God loves you and wants the best for you, and we want to hear what God is doing in your life. Share your story with us by sending an email to mystory@fathershouse.net. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at fathershouse.net slash give. Just select the option that works for you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If all the things that are going on in the world, the fires, the storms, the riots, the virus, the school, the canceling of games, money, what if this morning, that what we do in this room would be the response and the answer to that that would bring healing to it. What if this morning you're not in this room for you? What if this morning is not about what you get? What if this morning what we do in this room together absolutely opens up the heavens and the King of Glory would sit in this room. And that what would happen would be the responses to and the answers of and the healing would just be permeated. Mm. What if we're not here to make you feel good? What if we're not here to sing your song or do psychiatric counseling for you to get over the trauma of your mama not bringing you a peanut butter sandwich? What if we're not here for that, but we're here to facilitate the presence of God? What if the Bible is real? And that when they did certain actions in the book of 2 Chronicles, and they blew the trumpets and the priests began to sing, that heaven filled the place. What if when they took that stick and they made a bronze serpent on it and bam, they put it in the ground and then they got bit, they looked at it, bam, they were healed. What if what we do and say when we get together changes the world? Hmm. I believe it does. I believe when we sing... God inhabits our praise. I believe He's here. We've reduced church to an institution or to a performance when in fact it's to host His presence. Isn't it interesting that His disciples asked the Lord to teach them one thing? He didn't ask them to teach Him to teach or preach. Or to heal? Or to think? Or to build buildings? They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Only thing that they ever asked Him to teach them. Interesting. Teach us how to pray like that. These men were raised in a culture of prayer. My God. They knew the stories of Daniel and Elijah. They had prayer books. They prayed three times a day. They tied things around their head. They had the history of prayer. And yet, when Jesus came, they saw something in His prayer life that was unseen 
He called the Lord Father. He didn't use flowery prayers. He got up in the morning and went out in the wilderness to pray. He prayed while they walked. He went up into the mountains. He was intimate. He called him dad. He was unashamed. He was personal. It was fresh. It was dynamic. My grandmothers prayed like that. My grandmothers prayed over gasoline. Lord, let there be enough to get to church. She prayed over eggs. Lord, I'm running a little low. You chickens need to lay more eggs. I seen her pray over snakes. Get out of my garden. And they turn around. Weird women. Pray over tomatoes. My grandma Lottie, every time they get ready to make a decision, I, I watched her one afternoon. My granddaddy wanted to buy a new Pontiac. My grandma sat at the table and she's staring at Marion. She said, I'll pray, Marion. Her kitchen window was in the corner of the win- kitchen and she said, you see that tomato? It's southern people. You see that tomato green? Green's that cherry. She put it up in the window. She said, Lord. She said, he laid out a fleece for you. And if you turn that tomato red tonight, we'll buy that Pontiac. If you don't, we ain't. She turned around my grandpa. She said, is that all right, Mary? He said, that's all right, Lottie. I swear to you, my granddad sat in that kitchen all night long. <laughs> staring at that mater. He drove home with that Pontiac about one o'clock next day. I grew up with people that believed in prayer. They knew God was good. They knew He was there. They knew He was willing. A friend of mine named Pope Francis says we underestimate the power of prayer. Just a lot of people that believe that, but few that exercise it. They kind of wait to the last resort. Does that come to this? They, they, they really... It lives in the shallow surfaces of the life. never really goes deep. It has trouble possessing a church because the church gets caught up in the stuff. And then we market. The last 25 years, we have marketed church growth and forgotten the power of prayer. We've developed program after program. We've got a program for this and a program for this and let's get on with that because we've got time and we've got to do this and we've got specialists for everything. We hire specialists to take care of your kids, specialists to do that, specialists to do this, and I only do that. No one prays. And then COVID hits. Or 9-11. Or World War II. See, I believe prayer can prevent things from happening, change things that are happening, or overcome what is happening. I believe that one of the blessings of COVID is you have time. It's interesting. You were home for how many weeks? Many Christians don't think it makes any sense to pray, or maybe God doesn't like us, or maybe it's going on because of God. Listen. When you pray, say, this is so complicated. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. In that prayer is unity. In that prayer is the establishment of the kingdom of God on earth. In that prayer is the release of God's grace and mercy. In that prayer is the directions of our lives. The footsteps, if you will. He says, pray this way. And then he asks him a question. Which of you, this is a strange question, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. Say three loaves. It's important for you to remember what he asked him. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. Which of you will answer and say from within, don't trouble me, for my door is shut, my children are in bed, and I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he would not even rise and give to him, because he's a friend, yet of his persistence he would rise and give to him. This scripture has been misinterpreted. It's been misinterpreted because we don't understand the context in which the question is being answered and asked. In the Jewish, Jewish context, if a stranger shows up at night, he is a blessing from God. If a stranger shows up in the wilderness or grabs a tent rope, you're to treat him as you would treat God. If a stranger shows up, you love him. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and soul, and mind, and thy neighbor. That's in the Old Testament. That isn't a new thing. It's an old thing. Every Jew knew that if a stranger shows up, you are to treat him as you would treat your closest friend. That if you see someone on the side of the road, you're supposed to. That this is your opportunity to reveal your love for God. On the reading of this, initially you might think God's a grouch. You've got to keep beating on the door. No, that's not the story. This has to do with the laws of hospitality that a traveler, a sojourner, is to be received as a gift from God. That's why Jesus could easily say, do unto the least of them. It's interesting how this language in the 11th chapter of Luke's gospel precedes him calling us friends. In a moment, in John, he's going to call us friends. Here he refers to a friend. He's not a friend, he's a stranger. He's a bum. He's not of us. He's traveling through town at midnight. He has nowhere to stay. And yet, which one of you getting up in the middle of the night and going to your best friend? Which one of your best friends wouldn't answer you? I have some friends. Not a one of them would refuse to open the door to me. Not a one of them. If I went and knocked on Nita's door, she'd open the door. She wouldn't care whether it was 2 o'clock in the morning, she'd open the door. Come on, some of you have some good friends. It wouldn't matter whether you were intrusive or not. They would help you. The question after he teaches them the prayer is, now i got a question. Which one of you has a friend that would refuse to open the door? Nobody. Nobody. 
See, the context of this is to make you think in your own life. This man gets up and he says, listen, my freezer is empty, my cupboard's bare, but I got a friend over there. This, this is a story of a man that has a bum, a stranger, come and ask him for something and he hasn't the ability to fill the need. You ever had somebody ask you for something and you don't have the ability to fill the need? Uh, right now we have lots of people asking us for stuff and we don't have the ability it drives me nuts because I'm that fix-it guy. I want to fix everything. This is a great story because when someone comes and asks you for something and you don't have the ability to fulfill the need, you have a friend who has the ability to answer the need of something you've been... I have a friend. I don't have an answer to the world's problems, but I got news for you. I got a friend. And if I go knock on his door, he will open the door. Are you getting any of this? Look at somebody say, I got a friend. I'm going to wake him up. I got a good friend lives just through the woods and over the hill. Never mind. That's grandma's song. Sorry. I have a friend. He'd give me anything. I know he'll give me anything because I know him. And because I know him, I know I can ask him for anything. But do you know he cannot read my mind? I've tried. I have sat in my house and felt sorry for myself and thought if anybody loved me, they'd come down here and help me. And all the while, all I had to do was walk down this, it's about 700 steps, and knock on Terry's door and ask him. Because I have a friend. Why does God have us ask? Because the ask reveals the friend. When I ask the Lord for something, it reveals the Lord. It reveals His nature. That's why He said, ask me. That's why He spends half of John going, whatever you ask. Because when you ask, it's going to reveal the nature of God. He is not tight-fisted. He is not waiting for you to beg. But in the asking, you're admitting that you don't, but He does and He will for you. And so when a need presents itself into our lives and we don't have the ability, I don't have it, but I know somebody who has what you need. And I'm going to walk down the road. Are you here? When you ask, it reveals the nature of the one you ask. When we ask, it reveals. Wow. Shamelessly getting up and waking up somebody else to meet the need of somebody that nobody knows. That really is a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. I was raised in a tribe that talked a lot about the authority of the believer. We got authority. You know what I've come to realize over the last 40 years? I got something better. I'll have to use my authority. I have influence with a friend. And when I go influence that friend, he listens to me, shows me things. You walk around like a peacock. I got authority. Yeah, but you don't know my friend. 
Because I don't have to use my authority. All I got to do is call on my friend. There's a huge difference there. Charismatic churches had all kinds of problems because they were peacocking around trying to figure out who had the best authority. I would tell all of them, shut up. Because none of you have a friendship. Ask. It reveals the nature. He's asking these questions after he's told them this. Just be shameless. Say shameless. I'm going to tell you in my prayers, one of the reasons I don't pray out in public with a lot of people is because I'm kind of shameless. You, you don't understand. It, 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 would, it, would, it would bother some of you. I know what I have need of. I know what I want. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to stand before you and say, man, over the last several months, I've had to go, God, I feel crummy. And I need you to make me feel happy. I know you think I wake up. No. Ask her. I have to ask him. Oh, well, you're going, well, if you had faith, oh, you just sit there. See, you can't pray. I'm shameless. Just beat on the door. Hey, hey, hey. I have grandchildren that are shameless. I bought them a toy this morning at Walmart. Now we're in Orsland's. Did you know Orsland's has toys? My God, I bought them a toy at 10 this morning. It's 2 this afternoon. They're going, Papa, I need. You know what Papa says? Yes. I'm a whole class on how to be a grandpa. All you have to do is know one word. Yes. Shameless. Ask me for another slushy. I thought we just got a slushy. Yeah, but this time I want blue. Whoever told Sonic to make multicolored slushies, somebody ought to tell them no. I said, how many slushies do we need today? Well, they have seven different colors. What? (laughs) Shameless, shameless, shameless. We need to learn how to pray shameless prayers. I'm not ashamed to ask God for gasoline in my car. My grandma wasn't ashamed to ask for more eggs in the chicken house. She wasn't ashamed to tell that black snake, get away from her tomatoes. Go eat the rat. That's why I got you here. Not ashamed to pray. Most people pray so other people are impressed. I don't care if you're impressed. I just need that knee hurt. I just need that knee to hurt. And I know I'm not supposed to have a knee that hurts, but I got a knee that hurts. So Lord, make that knee not hurt. Some of you don't pray because he'll answer you. Lord, I'm feeling bad. Well, don't look at that. Don't drink that. Don't go there. Don't eat that fourth piece. No. Some of you don't pray because he's talked to you about this. And you don't like what he said. That spouse of mine. I'll leave Ginger out of it. That spouse of mine. Ain't their fault yours. What? 
Which of you have a friend? Everybody in there, all of the disciples understood nobody would do that. None of us would do that. We understood the context of loving your neighbor, of loving your enemy. And if we ask, we know it begins to reveal the relationship and the nature of that friend. And so we ask, why does God put us in positions where we have to ask? He puts us in positions that we have to ask so that He is revealed. Why are we in the situations we're in today? So that we will humble ourselves and begin to realize that we don't have the answers within ourselves, but we know somebody that does. Maybe we need not to ask the idols that we worship and ask the one. And then he goes, so? If you know that, then ask, and you'll receive. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and he'll be open. Because everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. Listen to this. This is the initial teaching on prayer. This is the beginning. Teach us to pray. Well, pray these words, but let me tell you. Who of you would, none of you, then ask. You're going to receive. The question is, do we believe what? We don't believe it any more than they did. You have not because you... And then he asked them four more questions. If you have a son that asks you for bread, would you give him a stone? Or a fish, a serpent? Or an egg, a scorpion? If then you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much... More. What if we're not here this morning to be entertained? What if we're here this morning to ask a friend? What if we have gathered together this morning to agree and to begin to ask the one who can give every answer and every... What if we've gathered together this morning to give a symphony of asking? What if church is not about the teaching or the singing? What if it's about the prayer? My house shall be called a house of programs so that everyone can feel good about themselves. My house shall be called a house of performance so the lights and the cameras and the songs are all on key. That I feel motivated when I walk out. What if it's about a bunch of gathering of weak, tired, Sinful people that have nothing in their cupboards but know who does. And we come this morning to just humbly pray, God help us. What if that's why we're here this morning? What if you don't have to agree with his politics and you don't have to agree with his politics? What if we don't care? about what we do in other spheres, but today we're gathered together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to lift up a cry and say, God! And what if the privilege that we have in Hutchinson, Kansas, because you are privileged this morning, we're here. I can talk to you about states where they're not and to talk to you places in this country where they're not in a room together. We're in a room. Together. We sang. 
Who cares when I wore a mask to stand here? I'm here. And I have an opportunity to agree with you that Jesus is Lord. And maybe it's not about you, but it's about changing the nation. What if we are so blessed and so favored this morning that what we do in this room this morning could fix the world? What if we're missing the moment because we're... Oh my God, Pete. What if this morning God answered our prayers and the riots turned to revivals? And, and people sat up in beds and walked out. And senators got saved. Well, let me give you one better. Pastors got saved. saw it. These pastors they're weeping. Oh, Jesus! And all you people are going to hell if you don't find Jesus! I'm, I'm believing for one of those TV dudes. Oh, you, you love them so you don't know that they're marketed puppets you don't know. You don't know. You don't do that without selling out some of that. I'm just waiting for him to get on TV and go, they haven't let me say it for two years, but I'm going to tell you now. I'm just waiting, wait. He gets my money. See, somebody go, what if this old church in Hutchinson, Kansas, what if? What if nothing's too trivial and nothing's too difficult? What if we became shameless in this room this morning? What if we understood that we were here? Get rid of my leprosy. Fix my legs. Open my eyes. What if we understood this morning the privilege that we have to be together and to pray? I mean, i just be honest with you. In the last six months, I've gone, I don't even know what to pray. Have you ever been hit like that? Uh, uh, Emily's mom's battling brain cancer. Our cook back here is not going to come back to work because she's got lung cancer. You've got a son. Can I tell you, everything you hear on the news is nothing compared to the people that I'm pastoring. But I hear the news, Pete, but I'm thinking of what I see them saying about you. That's what I'm thinking about. I don't know anything about national news, but I know about Rebecca's son. Hmm. I don't know what to pray. I need to get up some days and go, God, you're going to have to help me know what to pray because I don't even know what to pray. I'm, and you know it's amazing his Bible is true. There's this little person there that Paul wrote about that when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit knows what to pray. 
with groanings and utterings and sighs and moans and tears. And some of you need to be careful because if you ask God to pray what you don't know what to pray, you might become charismatic and then your family may not like you anymore because all of a sudden... This is not an altar call to receive the Holy Spirit. If you know Jesus, you got the Holy Ghost, Baptist. You have the Holy Ghost. You just never ask Him to do the prayer. Man, it got cold right there. Did you feel that? I'm serious. If you believe Jesus is Lord, ask Him to pray. He'll pray shameless prayers. You'll pray shameless prayers. You'll be on FaceTime and you'll look like a blubbering idiot. You know what I'm talking about? Just go back and look. I look like a blubbering idiot. But I don't care. You can ask the Lord and He'll pray. Even when you don't know what to pray, He'll pray through you to Himself. It's crazy. He'll pray through you, use your voice to ask Himself on your behalf to manifest His answer to your problem, maybe their problem, and you're just standing there going. Wow, that's cool. Hmm. I knew we shouldn't have come to this charismatic church. Here's a little verse. Paul writes to the Corinthians, and he says, it's great that you pray in tongues. Pray that you interpret. And and I'm not talking, I'm really, this is not a conversation about tongues. It's, I need help interpreting Annie's look. That one. Right there. How many of you ever misinterpreted her look? Uh-huh. Because you read into it. Or you misinterpreted the boss's mood. They just had it. They stepped in cat poop when they walked through the kitchen this morning. They're not mad at you. They just had to take cat poop off their shoe. It has nothing to do with you. Have you ever misinterpreted the situation? And it really wasn't the situation that the problem was. It was your interpretation of the situation that was the problem. I need the Holy Spirit to interpret life. Because life is weird. If you misinterpret it, it gets your fanny in trouble. Oh, well. I I like the Holy Ghost stuff because I need help interpreting Annie's look. Some of you are going, what? I'm not charismatic because I think speaking in tongues and interpreting is elite. It's just because I would die if I didn't have help in the back of my head somewhere down inside going, don't take that personal. (laughs) Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Lord have mercy. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world that if you're not careful, you'll misinterpret there are people interpreting it to be whatever. I, if I say it, I'll offend half of you. Because you've interpreted the situation to mean that God is doing. Well, I don't know whether you're right or wrong. I don't know. 
would say there's so much interpretation going on that it's confusing. And that God's not the author of that. And that until there's a clear sound and an agreement of what you think you've heard, and I ain't talking about Google. Google ain't God. Sorry. And do you know Wikipedia? Anybody can write it? When your professor goes, you got it from where? It's a lot of misinterpretation going on. And I believe it's only in the atmosphere of corporate prayer that truth is revealed. My example this morning is, you remember Joseph, the coat of many colors? I have a dream. You're all going to bow. Had his family abused him. You talk about abuse. Pick his saddle up, throw it in a pit, and sell him into slavery. That's trauma. That, that's trauma. And then you're just doing your job as a good slave, and she accuses you of sexual misconduct. Now you're thrown in prison because you've been... I'd be in the fetal position. Wouldn't you? I'd just curl up in a ball and go, don't ever give me another drink. Don't ever talk to me again. And if he does, I ain't opening my mouth and telling nobody. But, but if you go to Genesis chapter 40, it says, Joseph looked up, saw the face of the cupbearer and said, Why are you feeling bad? Why are you feeling bad? I'm the one. you got to catch this. It's not about you, boo. The world doesn't revolve around you. Even though you've been traumatized, sent to prison, and forgotten. Even in that condition, Joseph says, Is there anything I can do for you? And the cupbearer goes, Well, I had dreams. And Joseph says, Well, I don't know how to interpret dreams, but I know a friend who does know how to interpret dreams. And you remember, it's a, it's a good interpretation. Hey, you're getting out of here in three days. One, two, three. Three loaves, three days. And the baker goes, Me too, me too, me too, me too. And the baker's interpretation wasn't so good. I see three loaves, and then I see birds. Ooh, you're going to lose your head. Ooh. Boom, bam, he's gone. Cutbearer, will you get out of here? Please remember me. He didn't. You ever help somebody, and they forgot your skinny behind? Years go by, Pharaoh has a dream. And the rumor of this slave comes to the ears of Pharaoh without the help. It must mean that Joseph went around in the prison just interpreting other people's dreams. Interesting. And you know the story, right? Joseph gets out, goes up to Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells him, he goes, oh, this is this, this, this. And Pharaoh goes, you're my dude. And now Joseph is running all this, and he's built barns. And in chapter 45, verse 5, the people that abused him, they've come because they're hungry. And Joseph looks at those brothers, and he says, uh, don't be grieved. Don't be angry with yourselves. 
Man, I got to tell you, when I read that, I thought, forget about them being angry with themselves. I'm angry with them. Angry with themselves. I'm worried about how they feel about themselves right now. I've been waiting 20 years to kick their behind. Don't be angry with yourselves. You sold me into slavery. Semicolon. For, not but, for. God sent me here to preserve you. You can either interpret your life that God sent you somewhere or that people sold you somewhere. And the way you interpret your life will determine your life. You need the Holy Spirit to interpret your life. You need the Holy Spirit to pray through you. Because if you misinterpret the situations that are going on in this world today, your life will suck. But if you can understand that there is a purpose behind everything that's going on in our world today, and God's doing it to preserve us. And that we may be in situations at this moment, but we are here and we have a friend, and maybe we're here this morning that we might call on that friend to preserve the world. Maybe it's our chance. Maybe this isn't about you and I showing up here and having a church service as much as it is about you and I showing up in this room and being able to call the presence of God to provide even for those that have hurt us. Maybe we're not playing this morning. Am I making sense? Maybe this isn't about pastor having some big word. Maybe it's just about reminding us of something. But I can misinterpret. If I misinterpret, I miss the point. I'm doing fine with time. Just... March the 18th, I was in my little Jeep, and I'm leaving here, and it had not been a good day. The news was not good. The whole nation was scared. And I drove by this little chapel that I pray in, and the words, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways... I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. And I will hear the prayers that are made in this place and I will answer them. And I found myself in front of my iPhone bawling. If my people. It's interesting about that verse because that verse was spoken when the glory of God was filling the temple that Solomon had built. It's a good day. They had built the temple and the power of God was there. And God went, (coughs) (coughs) one more thing. When you screw up, because you will, when you do, come back to this temple. Humble yourselves. Seek my face. Turn from that wickedness. I'll hear. So, when you get saved, I just want you to know when you screw up tomorrow. <clears throat> Greatest nation in the world, this country. Don't you love it? I do. But she's got some problems. <clears throat> but if you come back to this place, huh, well, then we can't go to no temple. Six months I've been praying this prayer. Did you know that the gospel correlation to it is the prodigal son who's in the pig pen? 
who one day wakes up and returns to the Father. All, all, we're, all we're praying this morning is people wake up. We're praying this morning if they wake up, whatever they've been chasing, and listen, I don't care what side of the spectrum of philosophy you're on, it's sin on both sides. This is wrong on both sides. We're, we're praying this morning. I'm praying that I wake up. Forget them. How about me? How about just me? Those areas of my life where I have held on to it and thought I could fix it. Those attitudes, those... The great thing about prayer is it changes you first. But if you read Luke 15, you know how the story ends? It ends well. It ends with a party. Can I say, I don't understand all the things that are going on, but can I tell you, it's going to end with a bang. Now, if it's the final bang, okay. If it's the marriage supper in the land and we're sitting in heaven, thank you, Jesus. Pull up a chair and let's have fun. You won't be worried about taxes. You won't need another stimulus. You won't care about universal or non-universal health care. You'll be... What if we're here this morning to do and to be what He told us to be and to do? The temple, if you return, if my people, surely there's enough folks in this room that remember they built a tabernacle and went through the desert. This is a tabernacle. In the beginning of our journey, right after Jesus, they would take this and it would be a tent, say a tent. But there is no tent because the veil was torn. And they would take a cloth because they didn't have, they took a cloth. Some, some great philosophers like to talk about where that cloth came from. I'm not going there, but important piece of cloth. And they would take the Passover cup and they would take, if you have any idea of Passover, the bread of the Passover, which is three loaves. If you've ever been to a Seder meal, the Apokoman is the middle loaf. And there were three loaves laid on this cloth gathered with believers. This is the temple. This is the place of His death, His burial, and His resurrection. This is what our friend has given to us, the sacrifice that cleansed us from all sin, the sacrifice that makes heaven available to us, the sacrifice that contains the healing and the provision. It's Jesus. It's not about our programs. It's not about our performances. It's not about our doctrine. It's not about any of those things. It's about we're gathered together because we know we have a friend in Jesus who came. And when we rejected him, he did not reject us. 
When we turned our back on Him, He did not turn His back on us. And I come this morning as a simple little boy from Severy, Kansas, saying, I've never found anything greater than the truth that Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible has told me so. And I come this morning in this place, not because I'm so great, but to remind you, we are called to prayer. That His house is called a house of prayer. And that prayer is done around the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And then in a few moments as we do this, we're going to stop and we're going to offer up our requests to God. It's called the prayers of the people. We're going to come through this and we're going to hit the place where we agree in the Lord's Prayer. Then we're going to stop. And we got time. And you're going to call out a name, and I'm going to call out a name, and we're going to call out, and we're all going to agree that God move in that situation. That's the apex of our worship this morning. That's why we're here. We're here to make those requests known together. And that heaven would open and God would begin to... That's what the church is to be about. And if we ask just right, honestly, shamelessly, God, we need you to heal the riots in the streets. God, we we need you to heal our hearts towards one another. We need you to stop this virus. We need you, Father, to help us as individuals, as a society, and we can, we, we, we are the friend that they woke up at night. They woke us up. I'm awake at night and need it. And I don't have the answer, but I have a friend. And I'm calling you as your pastor, hear me. The most important thing we do is not sing, not preach, but is get to this point and in a moment have our prayer request ready. God heal that one. God, bring that one back home. God, deliver that one. God, heal California, New York, wherever, whatever you... That prayer is not something reserved for pastor to do on Facebook on Tuesday morning. The prayer is not reserved for something you do alone. The prayer is the apex of the church as she offers up her request to the Lord. And he begins... That's church. That's the temple. When I begin to see this 20-some years ago, I begin to realize that my charismatic nature made me come to this table. Made me. I had no choice. I was going to believe for God to be present. I had to realize, who do this? If my people will do this, if you will do this, there I will be. This isn't a Catholic thing. This is the people of God thing. This is the right thing. This is the present thing. This is the main thing, the only thing, because it's the basis of my prayer. You'll be doing this every morning in your house. Yeah, every morning, go in your kitchen and blah, 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 pray over it. Pastor, tell me I can do it. I give you the dispensation to do it. You don't have to be a bishop, a deacon, or a presbyter. You can do it. Amen. He did what? 
I just told you you could go to your friend on your own. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Father's House. We hope you stay connected by following us online at fathershouse.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at TFH Hutch.